Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Supply Chain Meets Fintech Summit. And in this chat, we're going to uncover the challenges of trade finance and how processes can actually make it more efficient with the help of a number of fintech solutions available out there today. And the perfect person will be joining us, Sean O'Malley, is the co-founder and current board member of B2B Payment Solutions, Blue X Trade. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining me for this chat. No, thank you, Grace, for having me. Yeah, this is, you're the perfect person to really uh, uncover the processes that uh, are, of course, helping make trade finance more accessible today. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and your relationship to trade finance as a whole. Sure. You know, I, I've been a serial entrepreneur uh, for most of my career, specifically in the fintech space. I was one of the earlier fintech entrepreneurs in the U.S., and I've always been interested in really making a large impact the world by enabling great businesses to grow through uh, more efficient capital markets. Um, my last company that I co-founded is now the largest marketplace for small business SBA loans in the United States. And as I, I was transitioning out of that opportunity, I became really interested in uh, helping businesses on a more global scale. And that's where I met my co-founder, who had been uh, in the logistics and supply chain space for uh, really the last 20 years. And from there, we really gelled on the idea of BlueX trade. And, and that uh, was specifically around helping to bridge the capital needs of SMB importers and suppliers around the world. Well, let's, let's talk about that uh, point right there. What are the main challenges that BlueX trade and, and yourself have seen uh, creating these tools and the, the challenges for these companies to access uh, trade finance? Well, trade finance is an area that I characterize as it's both supply chain financing and factoring, depending on whether or not you're a buyer or a supplier in uh, in the model. Um, the largest challenges have really been faced on the small to medium-sized business side, whether that be on either end of that transaction. Um, and the reason behind that is because the banks have really um, not engaged in these types of transactions uh, for quite some time. And so that's left what we characterize as a, a financing gap. And it's a global gap that, you know, different types of organizations have quantified to be about 1.5 trillion, um, you know, and both U.S.-based importers and exporters, as well as small to medium-sized businesses all around the world, have the same issues around accessing capital specifically for the movement of goods uh, internationally. Interesting. Uh what makes it more difficult, especially on the international scale, compared to maybe domestically accessing that that financial support? Well, on the international side, yeah, that's a great question. You're dealing with a transaction where parties are in two different, uh, you know, regions, and so as a result of that, there's additional risk. And and when you think about banks, uh, they, you know, having to uh, both underwrite a buyer who's in the U.S. and a supplier who's international, um, they typically don't have those types of capabilities. Those uh, type of capabilities are typically housed at very large banks like the, SH, the HSBCs of the world and Standard Chartered of the world. Um, but they they squarely focus their energies around very large enterprise transactions. And that's left the small to medium-sized businesses who still have the same types of needs um, without uh, real solutions or efficient solutions. Uh, and so they end up having to pay either very large costs associated with those or just um, not growing as fast because they're not able to access the capital. 
that they need. Makes sense. And especially you pointed out kind of the emergence of global trade, right? Over the past decade, how have you seen trade finance transform with that same emergence and, and what opportunities have come from that, especially for more of these like SMB type of companies? Well, I, I think that uh, over the course of that I've been in this industry is really that there has been uh, I'm beginning to be more of a transformation around how trade financing is done. And that's because of both the access of information that's available, uh, and then it's the um, digitalization of the process. And so as you think about uh, you know, information, cash flow information, credit information that's available on, on both sides of the ocean, uh, that actually allows for more efficient uh, type of underwriting and then, and then also sort of the, the risk reduction that's uh, capable to, to really provide capital to those businesses who deserve it because they have the, the right type of growth that's going on. And th- so that's the largest transformation I see now is being able to more efficiently uh, deploy capital uh, associated with businesses who are growing and, and, and truly need that capital. That makes sense. And uh, you brought up t- clearly the technology behind it. And I think one part of this too is is the safety of it. If you're dealing with, like you said, uh, the trade between individuals, banks in particular, that are nowhere near each other, right? And well, so the, the ability to check and make sure that uh, it's going to the correct people, that there's no issues with uh, uh, facilitating that finance, I think is huge. And an area that's really interests me recently is the technology behind it, including the use of as as buzzwordy as we could get blockchain technology. I think is like absolutely perfect for this situation. Uh, and what ways have you found blockchain or even uh, DLT technology uh, has enhanced the safety and efficiency of deploying and making sure that clearly these these finances are getting to the right hands. And uh, and especially uh, maybe some examples from your work that uh, these technologies have been successful in implementing these changes. Well, uh, maybe not. I don't want to sidestep that question as much as uh, I want to dive into the, the problems and then ones that uh, can potentially be addressed with blockchain. I think if you think about a international transaction um, and there being this, what we characterize as liquidity gap, there's two major problems that um, that we see uh, associated with that liquidity gap. One is what we characterize as the vendor gap, and the other is the logistics gap. And so from a vendor gap perspective, why these transactions are so hard is because it's how can you um, validate that a vendor is truly who they say they are, right? That's that's one problem. And that uh, keeps, again, keeps lots of banks out of this type of transaction because they don't have that capability. And then there's what's characterized as the logistics gap. And this gap is really about how can you verify the transfer of goods um, between one party and the, or another uh, and do that digitally and do it efficiently, and I think those two pieces or problems uh, have caused, uh, y- you know, kind of a, a enormous churn in the industry and reduced, uh, you know, the amount of potential funding as a result of that. I think blockchain has the potential to uh, support the, um, the, the second uh, opportunity, which is 
the, uh, the logistics or transfer of title type of opportunity where you can uh, both efficiently and, and securely with uh, ultimate transparency um, move something like a bill of lading uh, from one party to the next in a digital fashion that enables that transaction uh, in a more uh, a safer and more secure fashion between parties, which is today, uh, a majority of the time it's done um, over, uh, you know, over uh, FedEx. Uh, uh, and, and quite frankly, it's, uh, it's difficult to tie that directly to the payments transaction. And this is a real major problem with, if you think of pay to procure solutions, uh, uh, the, the, one of the major problems with them is they, they don't, they can't tie those two things together. And as a result, you can have fraudulent transactions and which has occurred in the industry and caused, um, significant amount of losses. But, um, and that's where I think blockchain has a potential opportunity in the future. I love that you pointed out the logistics side of, of a lot of these problems. And I know I, I followed, uh, I've been following at least the DCSA's work. I, I, we saw, I think trade, trade lens, uh, had a great opportunity as, as much as that's shuttered at this point. Uh, do you find, or do you think that, I guess, a lot of these problems with so many ocean carriers in particular, kind of, kind of stepping up and even moving their own uh, bill of ladings to uh, an electronic source. Do you see that a logistics problem continuing to be an issue five years down the line and, and maybe what hurdles are still out there that would uh, need to, to help solve that? Sure. I think the, uh, I read a recent article that uh, many of the uh, ocean carriers are banding together to potentially uh, push towards a digital um, uh, bill of lading by 2030. And I, I think that, uh, that timing sounds about right to me where, you know, you'll get a, a large penetration in the industry as a result of that. Um, I think any, you know, I, I think that's probably the right timing where this, this occurs and, um, uh, and, and may uh, span, you know, maybe it's more like a decade before you get significant penetration, but that, typically sounds to me like the, the, the speed at which uh, the full penetration will happen for this for, for bill of, bills of lading. When we do get to that point where the, especially the logistics side of things start to come together, uh, what is that opening up? How much global trade could, do you think could, uh, I guess, expand to? Uh, what type of, I guess, how, how are these hurdles affecting our current uh, global trade compared to that, that 2030 date? Well, I mean, let me give you a, a couple of uh, data points and you, you can think about this. Um, you know, the, they characterize the trade financing gap as a point uh, globally for small and medium-sized enterprises around $1.5 trillion. And so what that is really telling you is what's the amount of trade that isn't getting done because small to medium-sized businesses can't get financing, right? And so if you um, if you start breaking that down, um, you know, if you look at the number of importers and exporters, look at the United States, for example. I don't know. There's, you know, on estimate, there's about 220,000 importers in the United States. 98% of them end up being small to medium-sized businesses. So it, it's like you're, you're talking about the vast majority of businesses who are being left um, with uh, a large percentage are being left without the financing they need to grow. 
And that would have a significant impact on trade if they could actually get access to the capital that they um, potentially deserve because of their, their business is, uh, uh, you know, justifies it. It's just they're not able to access the capital. So that, those are some data points. There's, you know, there's, it's uh, triangulating around the, 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 the specific answer. I think you, you, there's, there, there's no one who's done that, but it's, it's more um, what's been left on the table and then you can start triangulating around, um, you know, the, the, the larger impacts. But um, but if you think about, you know, the United States, where you've got, in, you know, every year, it's about two and a half trillion dollars of imported goods globally. It could have a significant impact. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the access aspect of things. How do platforms today in, in different marketplaces help facilitate that? And what benefits do they offer to both the buyers and the sellers that you've, you've mentioned? Yeah, I think from a, it's a very simple value proposition that um, trade financing platforms are offering into the marketplace. Ones like BlueX, it's to the to the buyers in the solution, take importers in the United States. It's really a, a more time to pay solution um, for goods that are being transferred across water. You know, typically take anywhere from let's just say thirty to forty five days. It's that amount of time that that potentially that they could get uh, more time to pay. Uh, between the time in which they the, the the goods are on the water and and potentially where they start seeing revenue from those those goods and so that facilitation of a transaction really helps them just um, with their cash flow management and then on the the supplier side it's about getting paid faster and so uh, a lot of times suppliers you know they'll have a order book and um, you know they they have costs on their end that they're dealing with, and again, it's about cash flow management. But they want to be paid faster, um, so that they can actually be building uh, the next wave of goods uh, where they have um, POs for. And so uh, it's on both sides of the transaction uh, they, they they potentially have needs, uh, and that's where these trade platforms or trade uh, financing platforms. Uh, are, are helping these businesses in terms of managing those cash flows and transactions. What I will say, and, and it, what's an important piece of this, is that um, the the right uh, uh, the, the 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 good trade platforms are, are are risk assessing these transactions. Not everybody obviously is getting financing. It's it's really the you know the the companies that um, uh, potentially should be getting finance because they have. Uh, you know the the right cash flows and credit uh, associated with them, and um, and it's in, in some cases they're just not able to access that financing, and that's where these platforms are filling the need and filling that gap. Yeah, uh, the risk assessment I think is a huge is probably the biggest part of all this, right? Uh, making sure that uh, that trade finance is getting to not only the right hands but those that deserve it, and. Uh, we talk about merging technologies within this chat, uh, looking at uh, technology like artificial intelligence, machine learning. How did those play a decision, uh, or play pay, play an impact uh, into risk assessment and especially the credit uh, decision making for firms like yourself and, and others out there? Yeah, there is a, um, a growing impact of AI and machine learning in, um, in finance uh, tra- and specifically trade finance. Um, the impacts that that will have is it'll continually um, allow the uh, trade financing firms to be able to better risk assess and credit decision and underwrite uh, the transactions and then the players on both sides of those transactions. 
And so, it, it, you know, the more data that uh, is available to it, the better it will become. And um, if you can think about it in a lot of ways, it's, it's augmenting the, um, the, the sort of the credit officer in these organizations uh, and providing them with a really advanced uh, a set of uh, tools that allow them to make uh, faster uh, and better decision making. Um, not just on the onboarding of any of these players, but on the ongoing management uh, of the portfolio as well, which um, again, it just continually drives a better and safer network for these transactions to occur. To occur. And so um, I think it's, it's going to have an enormous impact, already is, but it'll, it'll just have an enormous impact on the quality uh, and 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 uh, sort of a, a secure nature of these types of transactions because of just the 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 uh, the assessments and how they're made. I love that. Well, you paint a really great picture of not only a larger trade finance future, but safer and more efficient, which I think everyone watching today is happy to hear. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today, and for everyone else, enjoy the rest of today's summit. Thank you, Grace.